Welcome to the Adult Candy Podcast. I'm Miss Crystal, your host and idea slinger. What is adult candy about? Well, it's dedicated to cultivating creativity and sensuality in adults, which, let's be honest, is what we all want more of anyway. This exploration of mindful indulgence is in conversations with a very delicious mix of rebels, noted creatives, and sex-positive advocates of an imaginative variety. We dig into process and tools for facing fears and chasing dreams and keeping the magic in running the business of creative sexy cool. While this is absolutely going to be explicit with adult content and bursting with very sexy, the mission here is about embracing and accepting pleasure and desire, which is an internal process. And that is the foundation for any type of meaningful intimacy, passion, or sexual prowess. So buckle up or unbuckle or buckle down because in these very bizarro times, we absolutely can't go back. We go through. Testing, testing one, two, three. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you at Everland. And um, I just kind of wanted to go over uh, some of the work that you do. And ultimately, you know, Adult Candy is a podcast about, um, you know, cultivating creativity and sensuality um, as an adult. And I mm-hmm. think that we don't have a lot of tools for that. Mm. Um, our societal structure just doesn't really even acknowledge that that's a thing that you would need. Mm. And I think that the undoing of that um, to mm. create community and to create value mm. for being a sensual being um, is really important. And that's mm. kind of, uh, the work that we're trying to do here on adult candy. So, uh, let's dive in and, um, why don't you tell me, um, what you do and what brought you into this work? Mm. Well, what brought me into this work is much easier than <laughs> the, what I do. Cause that's always like, Oh boy, how much time we have. But, um, yeah, I actually, I actually do want to start there. Uh, it's, it's a little easier for me and that'll kind of like segue into and how the work sh- I do shows up in the world. Um, I, I, like many people grew up where sexuality was dirty, bad, wrong. I, I learned a lot about sexuality in that it wasn't talked about, which, and I interpreted like that, oh, that must be a thing we, we shouldn't, it's bad. Um, and my first encounter actually with sexuality was not by choice, but by force. And when I was a teenager and so um, I just shut this part of my life down because it didn't seem pleasurable or important or like it mattered until I uh, discovered my clitoris when I was 29 um, at Burning Man. And then the next day I had this ceremony around sacred sexuality. And it's like, if you would have told me this, like <laughs> three months before that I was going to go to this workshop or, or like have this discovered, I would have um, not believed you actually been like, you're, you're, you're not well. (laughs) Um, and I, you know, when I call it my awakening and what I mean by my awakening was I awoke to 
sexuality is powerful, is beautiful, is natural, and that I love pleasure and that pleasure is good. And um, it, it was such a shift in my deep core of who I am and how I moved in the world and my confidence and my assuredness. And, and um, I used to be really intimidated by men. And so it just completely transformed my life so dramatically, so intensely, so quickly that I was like, okay, I want to be in the world to help the people that were like me. And so I've dedicated the last 10 years of my life to being in service and learning as much as I can and training as much as I can to, to um, show up as a guide, as a coach, as a healer, as an educator. Those are all different terms that I would use for myself and, and as a facilitator and as a culture creator. creator. Um, and so, um, <clears throat> so that kind of segues into the, the what I do. Um, I work with individuals, I work with couples, moresomes, groups, and I, I kind of weave between the, the place of play and innocence and childlike exploration. Uh, and then I, I also dip into the shadows and the pain and the trauma and the darkness and weaving those two things together so that I can um, support others in experiencing more freedom and more choice and um, helping them clear a lot of the collective beliefs that are actually holding us back and repressing us and, and having us show up maybe in our lives as dull or not just not turned on as human beings, not just sexually, but just like aliveness. Yeah. Um, so um, sometimes my work one on one looks like healing and sometimes um, my work looks like a lot of play and it really just depends on who I'm working with and what they're needing. Um, but the, the thing that I get really lit up about is um, group work because um, the way that I understand shame is that it's a culture creation and it's a it's a it's a an agreement we have as a collective. And so, if we are showing up in community and we're all saying what we say is celebratory and is good, is us having desires, of ha us having boundaries, and us feeling pleasure that those are good things, um, then we are shifting the collective consciousness around our bodies and sexuality and relationship. And so that's, that's a little bit about what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it is a massive world, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Um, mm -hmm. I, I love the moresome. That's an interesting, I love that phrase. Mm. Um, in that initial conversation with people, mm -hmm. how do you establish some form of trust uh, with them to create safe space. Mm. Cause that's really mm -hmm. like that, that first thing, because there is mm -hmm. so much, mm -hmm. not just conscious shame, but there's so much unconscious shame, mm -hmm. like people who mm -hmm. don't think that they have a problem. Absolutely. Sure. Um, well, I will say, thankfully my website, does a lot of that work for me. Mm -hmm. So by the time someone actually clicks on my website to say, I'm ready to talk to you, <laughs> I, I, I say that person's already done a lot of their own work to even acknowledge that they want and are ready to talk to someone about whatever it is that they're needing or wanting. And also on my website, there's a bunch of videos and my story about like where I've been, what my journey is like, and that I'm still human and that I'm still learning and growing. So because I'm leading with vulnerability, because I'm saying I've been where a lot of people have been, um, people have um, a lot of trust in me just from the get-go. And also, I, th I think that the because I am 
rigorous and committed to continuing my healing and my evolution and my freedom and my own path. And I've come to such a level of acceptance, even though there's always more, that the very nature of myself is that it'd be, it'd be, I'd be hard pressed to find someone that would say they, they did something or they had some sort of desire that I wouldn't um, be totally in complete calm, neutral acceptance of because mm. um, I've, I've gone down those shadow corners of my own self and, and loved those parts of myself and had compassion from those parts of myself such that I can create um, often the space where people are like, I've, I mean, this happens on a really regular basis. On the first call, they're like, I've never said this out loud to any human being. Mm. And or even sometimes, and this happens a lot with, with trauma work, when they feel safe enough, they actually have memories emerge that they didn't know existed or they didn't know happened to them, um, which is an intelligent way for us to, to process and deal with trauma. We, we, you know, if something traumatic happens, sometimes we can't consciously remember it until there's a, a safe enough field for us to have that memory emerge, um, which can be useful and valuable because when that memory does emerge, then we can actually like make sense of it or um, clear it or love it or because um, oftentimes it's 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 a young part of ourselves that we're like why or how this how this happened to me so it, it helps people to sometimes make sense of it when those memories emerge. Um, yeah, I I think that one of the most interesting things about working through kind of the shadow side is that it's it's not it's through it it's not around it right you have Mm. to like accept Mm -hmm. like hey i like dark things that's why i was attracted to this you know like i have these dark feelings or sensations you know especially you know in the fantasy world i think that you know, some people repress their, their sense of fantasy or, or, uh, interest in, uh, bondage and all of these kinds of things, you know, and there's all this shame mm-hmm. and guilt around it, or just the mm-hmm. idea that you want to be in control, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. taking that kind of power for yourself and mm-hmm. saying, Oh, it, you know, because we always have this really, you know, I think for women and for men, there's just these, re- the, the societal roles of like, I'm supposed to be a nice girl, you know, mm-hmm. and what happens when I don't want to be a nice girl or mm-hmm. what happens when I don't want to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where is that boundary of being, you know, what is bad? And, and if you're bad because it's a rebellion or if it's bad because it's just bad. You know, Mm -hmm. how do you Mm -hmm. guide people through that very strange world of Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. darkness where Mm -hmm. some stuff is dark because Mm -hmm. it's um, it's exploratory and it's rebellion and and so on Mm -hmm. and so forth. And then some of it's really dark. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do you put up boundaries around that to maintain that it's health and Mm-hmm. with other people mm-hmm. and contacting other people mm-hmm. as a, like yeah. incorporating the rage in a way that is not dangerous. Yeah. Or is that even yeah. possible? Do you have to just ac- accept the danger and the rage as it is? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think like anything, even driving a car, anything we do has the potentiality of it being a risk and being a danger. And um, supporting people as much as possible to have the the skills, the knowledge, the the knowing the right questions to ask 
for themselves and for their potential partners uh, to create the safest possible experience. Um, I think the the number one thing, again, this goes back to acceptance, right? Because it's like if someone shares like something really, really dark about them, um, first thing is for me to accept them, love them, where are they at? And, and, and oftentimes to let people know, like, just because you have these fantasies doesn't mean you actually ever want to actually experience those things in real life. Like you can actually have two different worlds, fantasies that you want to create fantasies that mm. you're never going to create in real life. And, and both of those are, are welcome. Um, as, as a practitioner, I'm always, 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 always interested and oriented to what actually gives you more empowerment. Mm. What actually gives you more freedom? What actually has you feel at the end of the day um, better? Is it is it better for you to not share out loud your fantasy with me? Great. Does it feel like it gives you more freedom and power to share this fantasy with me? Great. I'm open and available for that. So there's no like, you should do it like this. Um, it, it's more of um, what is the result of acting on these things or sharing these things? Is the result uh, moving you in the direction of more pleasure, more connection, more freedom? Hmm. I, uh, that's really interesting. Um, on the other side of that, uh, how do you facilitate play? When you say play, mm. like mm-hmm. how do you create that space where mm. where people can refer back to their their inner child and and, mm. and um, experience delight without, you know, mm-hmm. mea copa, mea copa, mea copa. Yeah. Um. Well, I think a lot of it is like me leading by example, right? Because like mm-hmm. I have this like playful energy. And so for when, um, I, you know, ultimately what I think a lot of us are wanting as humans mm-hmm. is to be able to feel what I'm going to say, the sacredness and the purity of our innocence again. And that innocence, when we were young, we weren't worried if like we were going to get it wrong or if we're going to make up the rules of the game wrong or like... We weren't, we weren't like worried or concerned about that. We're just in pure free and flowness. And so um, my job is to support them in, in, in accessing that again. And by me leading by example and being the role model of like, what would it be like if we were to pretend like we were kids right now? And so like me being willing to, to do that first has them feel easier or uh, sometimes um, one of the things I, I really encourage, especially uh, men is, is making more sound Hmm. Uh, sound can support uh, feeling more pleasure, increasing pleasure and orgasm, and communicate with their partners, and um, that gets shut down quite a bit. And so in my sessions, um, one of the things that I do is lead by example by making sounds and saying it's okay to make sounds. And actually sounds can actually be fun and playful. And um, I think I think the, the, the other thing, too, that c- creates play is... <clears throat> having really clear agreements and boundaries. Mm. They did this study um, with children on playgrounds. They had one playground that had no fence around it, and they had another playground that had a fence around it. And what they found in researching the behavior of the children is that the, the playgrounds that had the fence around it, they were actually used more of the playground, and they actually used way more space because they knew where the boundaries were. Mm. Versus the children with the playground without the fence, they stayed closer in towards one another because that there was like no sense of boundary so that like the, the, they were feeling nervous and so it was like they needed to stay closer together more inward hmm. so um so so really it's about about creating structure so like what does this mean what is the intention of what we're going to be doing um these are my boundaries like right now i don't want to be touched i'm willing to touch you if you want that 
um, and I'm willing to touch you here, here, and here. And what that will mean if we do this is this. And um, so, yeah, structure and boundaries, which feels a little bit paradoxical, right? Because it's like we create, we, we talk about boundaries to give us more freedom. Mm. Um, so that, that's, that is definitely one way I inspire play is boundaries, which like almost sounds silly in a way. <laughs> Well, you know, I think um, sensuality is counterintuitive to our culture. So maybe that's the whole reason why is mm -hmm. because in creating all of these things that are healthy for us, like it doesn't mm -hmm. feel normal because, you know, it's it's mm -hmm. never been something that like, oh, this is mm -hmm. this is absolutely what I should do with my time. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, OK. And this is another thing I wanted to say, too, which is. Uh, giving permission to experiment with something that they may not like. Mm. So, for example, if someone has never tried, let's say, um, ice and warmth as like a sensation play, or let's say someone's never experienced um, being flogged, or someone's never experienced being blindfolded, or whatever it is, right? Um, sometimes we're like, well, I don't know if I want to do it because I don't know if I'm going to like it. But if we give ourselves permission, like, I don't have the expectation that you're going to like it. I'm inviting you to play with what's it like to try on not having the expectation that you're going to like it, but just be willing to be open and explore and notice what you notice and, mm. and like, not be attached to whether you like the thing or not. Because if you decide that you don't like it, you just got more information that you're not into that particular thing, or at least not right now. Because that's the other thing, too, is that people's... Tastes people's, evolve. Yeah, people... Oh, totally. It's so dynamic. It's completely dynamic. Um, so sometimes, like, so for example, I will give you an example for me. When I first started to explore in the world of kink and BDSM, I was not interested in, in like, impact. And what I mean by that is, like being um, slapped or hit with hands or things and it's because I grew up with physical violence and so any sort of belt or any sort of thing I would go into like I, that's not that's not for me I don't like that I don't know why anyone would be into that and it's because I had to move through some of my trauma around it mm -hmm. and so when I was able to transform my fear around being hit into pleasure it was incredibly healing and powerful and I'd say has given me a lot of freedom in my life so it our tastes are absolutely dynamic and I'd say sometimes it has to do with our um our natural desires but also like potentially moving through some of our traumas um that's really interesting that you mentioned that because I think that that is I mean you know, because you're so committed to the work, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. Um, but how does someone who knows that they have a trauma around something, how did they, how would you suggest that they start to kind of poke at the thing that doesn't want to be poked at? Right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is make sure you have someone that you trust, mm. that that's someone that has the skills and the awareness and the knowledge of how to be with you in, in the world of trauma. Um, I, I discourage couples <laughs> trying to do therapeutic work <laughs> with one another. Um, I, 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 not to say that that can't happen or that shouldn't happen all the time, but I just caution that because it, it, 
moves the couples away from the archetype of lovers into someone's like needing to be fixed or therapist. healed. Therapist, yeah. Therapist, right? So, um, you know, finding practice partners that you feel safe with and or have some knowledge of, of trauma awareness. So if it's something that someone knows, it's actually like a significant trauma, uh, I would seek out a, a practitioner or someone in the community that can be vetted, that you can, you know, let's say there was someone that um, I was interested in playing with and maybe I thought they could help me move through something. What I might do is find out if they have, um, who they've worked with and like can interview them and ask them like, what's your experience been? How long have you known them? What have you learned? And what's, you know what I mean? So it's like, um, an actual that, job interview. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and also just having like really, 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 really clear agreements and boundaries. Um, and especially if someone knows like, um, so for example, for me, I knew my pattern. If I got scared, any time the thought of some sort of impact, anything, what would happen to me is I would um, close up. I would get quiet and I would shut down. Mm. And so because I knew that was my pattern, I could let them know, hey, so this might happen. And if it does happen, this is what I imagine I'll need. Are you, are you willing and able to provide that for me? Mm. Like, I will need you to take a step back I will and want you to guide me to take some breaths and I, and I want, um, yeah, you to help me like pull me out, pull me out. Yeah. So, so knowing yourself, um, making sure that you feel safe with someone and that you have clear agreements and obviously it sounds obvious. And maybe if people are new to this, like having safe words and, and, or like a pause button, like I need a pause or, um, this is also something really important to know too, which is, if people really are in some sort of like trauma reaction, oftentimes we don't have access to voice. So not only having a verbal safe word, but also having a nonverbal safe, you know, movement of like, if I hand, like, so for example, with my partner, um, if they're biting me too hard, mm-hmm. uh, or if I don't have access to my mouth at that time, maybe they have their hand over my mouth, then I can tap twice, which means that they need to stop. Mm. So oh, okay. a nonverbal safe word is also useful as well. Huh. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> in uh, developing like this deeper sexuality, how does that, how have you seen that unfold into releasing people into like how they are more empowered in their regular lives? Right. Um, like, yeah the one that comes to mind immediately is people asking their bosses for raises. <laughs> um, I'm worth more. Yeah. Right. Their worth, their worth goes up, their ability to ask for what they want, their ability to receive support and help. I mean, I know it as myself as a woman and a lot of women, it's like I can do everything on my own and I have to rely on myself. And so there, there could be a lot of resistance or um, programming around not asking for help, not receiving help. Um, so worthiness goes up, ability to ask for what you want goes up, just general confidence. I mean, really, if we want to talk about what is sexy and what is attractive, it's <laughs> someone who is lit up about who they are and how they move in the world. So, um, you know, people being able to find more of their partners in their life because they're like, like they like themselves more. <laughs> um, and also just like, I, 
I've had a, I've had several different careers before I went into this, and and I think that um, the reason why I think I'm going to be in this career for potentially for the rest of my life is it's and it's endless. The amounts of exploration that, I mean, like, if you just start going down the, the path of Tantra, you just start going down the path of BDSM, you start going down the path of polyamory or swingers, or um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's endless. It is endless. So when people start to realize, hey, there might be more than traditional, let's say, vanilla sex, then um, there's just more potentiality and more fun and more creativity. Oh, that's another thing, too, is our creativity and our innovation is very much wrapped up into our sexuality. So if people are repressed around their sexuality, then they may be limiting what's possible in the realm of, of, of invention and creativity as well. Right. Um, yeah. Hand in hand. I, I fundamentally believe that the two are um, interconnected in so many ways that we don't even fully understand. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Ultimately, mm-hmm. when you think about it, I mean, we have been sexually repressed for the entirety of our human civilization as recorded, right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's only a couple little little societies that pop up here and there where they're not, mm-hmm. you know, shaming and um, demanding mm-hmm. and um, limiting one sexual experience. So I'm just so curious at this time, at this juncture, when it's starting to actually even be an opportunity for people mm. to explore this and say the word orgasm in public and, you know, say that I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a witch, I'm a, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're a sex teacher, you know. Like I'm you're a, a slut. Se- yeah, that mm-hmm. you can have a slut parade and that is mm-hmm. actually happening and, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things. And it's like, what, but what is our society when we are comfortable with exploring who we are as sexual beings because Mm -hmm. to me that's the fundamental thing that's the number one thing that we are that Mm -hmm. is by design and then everything Mm -hmm. else comes after that right like Mm -hmm. that's actually spirituality is Mm -hmm. our relationship and our intimacy with ourselves and with our partners because that's how we develop love at all right Mm -hmm. is through Mm -hmm this physicality and through this getting to know someone and you can't even do that without even getting to know yourself and no one does mm-hmm. that no one is acknowledged to that you know mm-hmm. and um i do love to kind of give a little extra special moment to um men because they you know as a whole men are not given the opportunity to like, they have no runway to discover their sensual side, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. handed a porn, and they're like, sex is what you have to do, right? That's mm-hmm. the goal. Instead mm-hmm. of learning who they are and pleasure for them and what pleasure actually is versus mm-hmm. it having just automatically having that end goal of, like, I need to, you know, I need to have sex. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering you know, how you interact with that because mm-hmm. and get back to that place of teaching men how to be mm-hmm. sensual with mm-hmm. themselves yeah. and to discover pleasure in a way that's, you know, truly for them instead of with some external purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is, um, you're, you're touching on the essence of my heart in this work because I'm actually 
pretty dedicated and committed to supporting men to be heard, seen, and understood around what it's been like to be them as sexual creatures and humans Mm -hmm. and encouraging other men to know what other men's experiences are like and also supporting women and understanding really what it's like. Um, It makes sense to me. And and I also just want to name so far this conversation, we've been using binary and men and women and just want to acknowledge that there are humans that fall outside of men and women and, and um, masculine feminine and all of yeah things. all of it and so so i just want to name that that all exists and right now i'm i'm speaking generally speaking about people who identify as men and women or or socialized as as such so um anyway so i've created this process called healing the divide which is um, a full day process and a weekend retreat and it actually gives men a chance to sit in a circle with other men to share their stories about what it's been like to be them growing up and now. And on the outside of them are women who are committed to be there to listen from a place of curiosity and from their heart. And we do reverse it, but the whole reason I came up with this was actually to give men a a stage, if you will. Right. And I've done this with thousands of people all over the country. And I think what's so shocking for the women oftentimes is they they see the gentleness and the tenderness and how much the men want the soft and the slow and to not rush. And like some of the pain that the men have talked about the pressure of performing or, um, or, or their realization of like, Oh wow, I'm missing out on something because I wasn't taught to slow down or, I was thinking that I had to perform like the people on the porn and it, it, it makes sense to me. And and I'm going to make some general statements here and I'm just going to own that. Um, It makes sense to me that because there've been so many women who've been physically hurt or oppressed or violated against in the realm of sexuality, Mm -hmm. that, that it's been hard for women to, really really investigate and be curious and and like be like hey men what's it like to be you because we're like we're fucking in pain and we're scared and this hurts and we're tired of being beat up and treated this way so it's it really is courageous for some women to say okay i know i've been hurt and and for me too like i was but you know introduced by force to this to sexuality to to put down you know not to negate, not to step over, not to invalidate, but just to, to consider and be like, whoa, have I, have I been curious about what it's like to be human? And, you know, I say nobody gets out of patriarchy, right? Like they're, they're, they're impacted by it too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I don't think men like the patriarchy any more than women do. I mean, yes, they're, in theory, they're benefiting from it, but no one does, right? Like, there's there's no there's no room for joy in a total yeah. domination, you know? And right. I think it would even be the, the other way if we were in a matriarchy and, you know, I mean, it just... Yeah, it, absolutely. It's, a, it's about creating... Oh, what was the word? Oh, man, there was a word that I had just learned recently. It's not patriarchy, it's not matriarchy, it's like... Oh, I'm not going to remember it, but it's like matriarchy or something. You no, know, I think it's like equa, equa. Yeah, I'm forgetting it. I just got so excited because there was a word. I was like, "Whoa, wouldn't that be cool? If we just like yeah. had human 
if in, instead we, we we work towards having masculine and feminine energy mm-hmm. working together, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Well, we're getting so there. I, I, I love, you know, going back to the, to the work with the men, I, it is such a joy and a delight to get to work with them that they get to, they get permission to slow down. Hmm. They get permission to feel the sensuality. They get permission to, um, cause I do hands-on sexological body work as well. So, so some of my sessions involve touch and they get to practice with me. Um, what does slow sensual touch look like and feel like, and, and like how to show up both to enable to receive and expand their capacity to receive pleasure. And also like, what is it like to offer really good touch and pleasure as well? Yeah. 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 I, um, I have, it's, it's just amazing to me, uh, in my own personal experience, uh, the lovers that I've had that have done that, that work for themselves. Mm. And it's always come from them being isolated and in pain and then them having to do some transformational work and to recognizing mm. that they're like, I need to be here in this physical space in order to create pleasure for myself. And it was just, it, it's, it's so different the way that you can experience them as human beings when they have figured out how to be slow and they're present Mm. instead of just Mm -hmm. like working from like their inner script of like, these Mm -hmm. are the things, step one, step two, Mm -hmm. step three, step four. Right. And and so I'm just, I, I just want to continually tease that out of the world, like Mm -hmm. unscriptedness. Right, mm-hmm. where your sexual experience, your sensual experience is not known to you to the like you don't you're not always reading from a script, right? So that you get to be mm-hmm. present with the other person. You get to be present with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway. Um yeah. and then for women there is like you you mentioned your own trauma, you know, and I think I mean, pretty much every single woman I know has trauma around the sexual mm-hmm. experience and that Me Too is emerging. I've, I've it, met a couple of them, the, the, the anomalies. I've met a couple of them that are like, no, I'm clear. I'm like, you are a rare gem of a human. <laughs> I mean, not, no, you're just a rarity. That's all. It's, yeah. yeah, you're just like, wow, really? <laughs> really? Congratulations. Nothing, huh? I have a friend and she's a, she's a burlesque dancer. She's like, yeah, I've never had a, I've never had an issue. And like, wow. Wow. That's amazing. That it is really is. Extraordinary. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Cause I mean, you know, it just, it goes all the way back to like super early childhood where there's just like weird things that, you know, boys did mm-hmm. and you're just like, eh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that being said, um, on the other side of like holding space for, you know, <laughs> masculinity, finding vulnerability, um, mm-hmm. finding space for femininity, finding trust, I mm-hmm. think, or, you know, mm-hmm. forgiveness, openness. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's also vulnerability. Again, being willing to be vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah. So going back to going back to healing the divide, the process that I was mentioning, 
um, when the women get to be in the middle and share their experiences and being seen and held and witnessed by the men, <clears throat> there's something that feels like something ancient or tribal or something so deep and pure, like women sitting together with women. And like, mm. we've done this for how many centuries that we know how to do this. And, um, but to, but to be witnessed by the men is the, is the, and men who are actually genuinely from their heart curious about our experience. Um, I think the things that I, that I remember as being significant are the resiliency of story after story after story of our challenge and our pain. And I don't think, I think on some level, some men get what it like how vigilant and how many times our boundaries have been crossed as a woman. Mm -hmm. But when they're sitting in that circle and there's nowhere for them to go and they just sit with us in it, they're mm -hmm. just like, Holy shit. <laughs> Y'all have been through a lot. And I think the thing that touches me the most is that we are still here and that we're still laughing mm. and that we still show up and that we're still willing to be in relationship. And that's the thing that I think the, the men often celebrate the most is like, I can't believe how much you've been through and that you're so strong and that you're still here and that you still um, want have, to be loved. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it's, um, yeah. And you know, the other thing too is going back to the shame and the silence of our culture is oftentimes these questions that we ask in this process, people don't normally ask or they've never thought about themselves or they've never talked to, um, particularly the one that I, I know for both men and women is the question of like, what was your first childhood experience? And so many times their first childhood experience was when they were little and they were just kids exploring being like, what happens if I touch you here? What happens when I touch you there? And when they're in that circle and they name that and they say that and they're like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Oh my God, I'm not weird and de demented and there's not something wrong with me because I did that, you know, even to siblings, right? It's like just children being curious and exploring. So when we can share into the space and we can say, I'm not alone, then we can say, okay, maybe there's nothing wrong with me. Maybe I'm not broken or maybe I'm not fucked up in the head. Um, and, and that's the power of the storytelling is medicine, which mm. it's, it's oftentimes the trap is we think we're alone. And then when we realize we're not, then that's when we can relax and take a breath and be like, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay here. Yeah. And it's okay for me to want what I want. Totally. Totally. It's okay for people to want what they want. Yeah. Well, uh, so how do we keep growing this, uh, what is it, sensual revolution? What do you, how, do you, how do you see this becoming bigger and better? Like, how does, how does the world evolve into this we-triarchy? Ooh, that's it. That wasn't the word, but I like that better. We tricky. That, that was great, Crystal. Nice work. Um, yeah, how do we evolve? I mean, I know what I'm doing, and what I'm doing is continuing to provide a lot of group and communal experiences for people to show up and be real about what they've experienced, what they want, and in a, in a safe container that um, have people know the boundaries and know the rules. And... Um, and the other thing too, is it, is it takes speaking up. So for example, 
and I use my discretion. I don't do this all the time. And there's a time and a place uh, to, to, and there's a, there's a term I learned recently, instead of calling someone out, call them in. Mm. So for example, if I'm having a conversation with, let's say a man who I know is committed to, um, females being honored and revered and respected. And, uh, I hear them use the term pussy as a derogatory term. Like I hear him say to another guy, don't be such a pussy. If I can access compassion in my heart and communicate with him the impact that that has on me and my body and all of my sisters and all of the people who identify as having a pussy and I can share with him that hurts and doesn't feel good to me when you use that. And what I, what, what I want is for my pussy to be revered in language. Yeah. And if we can call each other into what we're committed to as humans, which is, I think, loving and revering one another, including our body, especially, and including our body parts. And so even I've actually stopped using the word asshole um, in a derogatory term because if we're constantly running around saying that, uh, you're an asshole, you're an asshole, you're an asshole, but it's always like that's a bad, mean, not unkind, rude, rude, cruel person. What are we saying about our body parts? <laughs> Language is powerful. Right. And so it, it's, it's, um, and you know, the other thing too is, is like when I hear women bashing men or making fun of their cock sizes or something, those men aren't there to protect themselves. And it's my, and I take it as my duty and my responsibility to honor them, even when they're, especially when they're not there and just say, Hey, could we consider what it might be like if there was a man here listening to that and and how might that impact them? Hmm. Right. And so, um, I, I, I do that for men in their lack of presence. And I, I always ask men to do that when we're, we're, we're not around in the quote unquote locker room, right? Right. Like protect your sisters, your daughters, your mothers, your grandmothers, your future children, your future daughters, um, your wives, your wives, your lovers. Yes, yes totally. Please so, do so not have up. respect for women only because you view them through the lens of them being your mom. <laughs> mm, yeah, that too. That too. Yeah. Right. So those are, those are, those are ways I mean, I don't have all the answers, but I know that those are those are ways um, that I that I do that, and I know that if I am calling someone in or inviting them to consider the impact of their choices or their actions or their words, is if I can do that from a place of care, kindness, compassion, and love, I I say the um, the possibility of the behavior shifting into something that's more in alignment with who they they are. Um, I say it's quicker as opposed to being like stop saying that or you shouldn't say that or don't say that or I'm pissed when you say that because mm. that's not going to get yeah. us there faster I say yeah honest conversation but the thing is is that when you get better at being communicative about what your needs are then you get better at communicating about what your needs are right like at the mm-hmm. larger level right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's just all save the world by all discussing our sexual needs in a healthy way yes. and burn down the patriarchy. It's very easy. Very simple. <laughs> or actually, you know what I like even better? Instead of burning down the patriarchy, creating the, the wetriarchy. Yeah. Just putting our energy there. And like, what is it that we want? 
Yeah. Like, just like our desires. Like, I want all humans to be revered, loved, and respected. Yeah. 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 And seen yeah. as, you know, help, like, I just want people to see sex as a healthy thing, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's totally. it. You know, and I think yep. that if you get that done... I yeah, mean, let's I, do that. I just, I, I can see just everything else being so much more okay. You know, yeah. all the pressure. It's okay. Yeah. It's all going to yeah, be all yeah. right. I don't have to exactly. feel shame about the thing that I think about every day. Yeah, exactly. So much more space for everything else. Well, yes. thank you so much for joining me on the mm-hmm. podcast. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you go ahead and plug your website and anything sure. else you'd like to uh, direct people to if they'd like mm-hmm. to know more or would love to work with you. Totally. Thank you. And it's real simple to find out all my information is my website, which is my full name, which is hazelgraceyates.com. And on there I have live events, live workshops, and retreats, and if folks feel inspired or by the possibility of working with you one-on-one, I offer a conversation. It's 45 minutes free. Anyone thinks that they might want to work with me. And even if they don't end up working with me, oftentimes people get so much value and freedom just from getting to talk and listen and be heard and seen and understood about what they're, what they're going through and, and what they want. And the other thing too, is I want to name this at the end here. I don't have people just calling me because they're having problems. I also have people that are like, hey, like our sex is great. Or our relationship is great. And we want to take it to the next level. Or we're like, we've just kind of like done the same rut. And we're just looking for a little something different spice. So it's like, bring it all. Uh, whether it's like you want more better or if you're just like in some pain. So, um, yeah, those are ways that you can connect with me moving forward. Wonderful. Well, um, again, it was a pleasure chatting with you You too. and, um, I wish you all the best. I can't wait to see, uh, what you do and, um, I'm going to get on your newsletter so that I can find out when there's a group event. I can't wait to to experience it. Awesome. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Crystal. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Bye. Done. Done and done. Sweet.